the words that you find in Matthew 24, the red letter words of Matthew 24 are the words of Jesus concerning prophecy. That whole chapter, there's a lot of prophecy in the other chapters surrounding it, but Matthew 24 is one of the most pointed teachings of the Lord on future events. And there's one verse that just really leaps off of the pages into my heart today, and it's verse 21. It says this, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. We have trials and troubles, and we use the term tribulations. People in the world deal with tribulations. People in the body of Christ have tribulations. But this world hasn't seen tribulation until the great tribulation comes. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come before you today. Thank you for your spirit that is present among us. And Lord, right now as we, Lord, unpack the scripture and share this message that you have laid upon our heart for this day, would you place your anointing upon your word and upon your servant that I might communicate only what thus saith the word of the Lord, that you would paint a, a picture and a portrait for us to shake us at our very core to realize the time in the moment that we are living in. We thank you and we praise you for your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. I asked you a question last Sunday in the message. Are you ready for the rapture? I follow up today with, a, with this question. Would this letter be left for you. Dear son or daughter, I am writing this letter to you because I am sure you are frantically looking for me and your mother and our family. We have not been captured by aliens or by some adverse effect from global warming. We have been caught away with Jesus in the clouds to forever rule and reign with him. I am sure, son or daughter, you will hear all kinds of explanations as to where millions have gone that have disappeared from the earth. Take it from what you have learned from the Bible and have been told by your loved ones. We have gone to heaven. Son or daughter, the challenges that are facing you beginning now are beyond human comprehension. There will be a charismatic leader whom the Bible calls the Antichrist that will have answers for the world in foreign affairs, the economy, humanitarian needs, and will by all means have a plan to bring all religions together 
in unity. His whole aim will be peace and prosperity. But son or daughter, listen to me. He does not want peace. He wants to destroy the people of the world. His method of unity and peace will be a special mark that all mankind will have to take either in their forehead or on their hand. Son or daughter, it is my prayer that you will never take this mark, for it will damn your soul. And more importantly, that you will finally accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. I want to see you in heaven. Please be strong in the Lord. I love you and wish you were here with me now. Love your mom and dad. Did you know that letters will be like this will be left for sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and family members? Be left for multitudes that miss the rapture or the catching away of the church. It is my understanding now that there is literally a website that is prepared to forward emails from raptured saints to loved ones that are left behind. The rapture or the catching away is literal, is real, and could happen at any time. And following that, immediately following the catching away of the church, on God's calendar is an event called the Great Tribulation. I believe we're living in the end of the end times. And God is raising up men of God in these last days. Men like Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins and Jack Van Impey and John Hagee and Peter and Paul Lalonde. And there are several others. They're sounding the clarion call about tribulation and end time events. There's productions being made and books being written. And in third world countries, remote places are becoming fewer and fewer that have not heard the gospel. With the advances of satellite and technology and now social media, God is trying to tell us something. He said in his word, the gospel shall be preached in all the world and the end shall then come. God's not leaving any stone unturned. He is fulfilling his word to the nth degree. And this is not the time to avoid the book of Revelation and its Old Testament counterpart, the book of Daniel. In fact, the word clearly states in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed is he that reads. Blessed is he that hears the words of this prophecy, for the time is at hand. Before we dive into talking about the Great Tribulation, let me remind you of something that I shared with you in detail last Sunday. And that is to Noah, God said, come in, come into the ark before the flood of God's judgment came. To Lot, God said, come out of Sodom and Gomorrah before fire and brimstone fell as God's judgment. And at any moment in the twinkling of an eye, 
God is going to say, come one more time. He's going to say, come up hither or come up here. And he's going to catch away the Bible living true believers before a great tribulation begins on this earth. I'm telling you, this could be the last message you hear before the trumpet sounds. I don't know about you, and I know I stand behind this sacred desk most Sundays out of the year. But I've told several people since last Sunday, I want to be ready. Don't just presume that you're ready. You live every day as if the rapture could happen at any moment. You live every day. You purify your soul. And you make sure your heart is right with God every day of your life. Because at any moment, he's going to split the eastern sky. He's going to step out on a cloud. A trumpet's going to sound. And we are going to be caught up to Together with him in the clouds and forever we shall be with the Lord even so Lord come quickly oh I tell you I told someone last week if he came while we were in church I can't think of a better time than for all of the saints of God that are ready to meet him to be raptured into the air what a glorious celebration it's going to be at that meeting in the sky can someone say amen so let's talk tribulation this morning the description of the tribulation. If somebody said, well, what does this tribulation, what is this great tribulation? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Simply put, it's God's wrath poured out upon unrepentant mankind. That's what tribulation is. Daniel in his book calls this seven-year period a time of trouble. Joel in his book called it a day of gloominess. The vision of the tribulation and the, and the end time events that was given to Daniel uh, affected him so much that he, it made him sick. He fainted and was sick for certain days. I want to tell you there's only one reason for the seven-year tribulation. People have speculated about it. And I believe that God gave me the understanding as to why there is even a tribulation at all. I believe that the one simple reason for the tribulation, it is the last opportunity for the Jewish nation of Israel to turn to Jesus Christ. The true Messiah came 2,000 years ago, and they have rejected him for the last two 2,000 years, but they have always been God's chosen people. God has always had his hand upon them. And I believe the seven-year tribulation is to give them one last opportunity to have their eyes open to realize what is true and what is false, what is accurate and what is a lie, and to embrace God's grace and mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. If this is the sole reason for a seven-year tribulation, Consider this, if the Jews would have accepted Jesus Christ the first time 2,000 years ago and there was no need for a seven-year tribulation, then we would immediately go from the rapture into the millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year reign described in the Bible. It would have become, it begun immediately after the rapture of the church. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. But the flip side of that is because of the Jews' rejection of Jesus, your loved ones and my loved ones that are left behind at the rapture of the church will have one last shred of mercy extended to them during seven years of horror known as the 
tribulation. In other words, friend, if you're here this morning and you missed the rapture of the church in our lifetime and, and by some slim chance you accept Jesus during the seven years of trouble, you can thank the Jewish people because their unbelief made it possible for you to have one more chance at eternal life. You see, I don't think that we comprehend the horror. Some, if somebody were to ask what was the most horrible time in the world's history, I think we would have to go back and probably identify the Holocaust. It was during that time when Adolf Hitler, a madman devil possessed by who knows how many demons that murdered six million Jewish people. Masses of people were killed. They were herded like cattle into gas chambers where their lives were taken from them. It was a genocide that was unmatched in our history. But what you need to hear is that though it was a genocide unmatched in our history, it is mild compared to the bloodbath that is coming to our world. A bloodbath that the Scripture states will reach the depth of the horse's bridle. That's how much blood will be shed in the latter time. Let me share with you a few of the effects of the seven years of tribulation. First of all, let me tell you, there will be worldwide war. It seems like there's always conflict. It seems like America's in the middle of a lot of conflict. It seems like we're at odds with, with not just one country at a time. We seem to be at odds with multiple countries at a time. I've always felt like America should mind our own business more than we do. We seem to act like we're the Savior instead of trusting in the true Savior. But we get ourselves in hot water quite frequently. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day that uh, though there have been wars that involved multiple countries, the wars that is coming to our land at the end of time is going to affect every free, communistic, every single kingdom in the world. It will be a true worldwide war. It won't be us against North Korea or China having its problems with America. This is countries on both sides of the pond, all at odds, united against Israel. Israel, the one nation that God will always fight for. There will be conflict like this world has, has never seen. The devastation, the loss of lives will be second to none and more than our minds can fathom. Not only will there be worldwide war, but there will be a shattered economy. We were put on our heels back in 2008 when the auto industry and the and the housing market uh, and the stock market crashed and, and we were wringing our hands and wondering if we were going to bounce back. And over the last 10 plus years, it seems like that we're, we're, we've had a strong economy and it, it seems to get stronger and stronger and, and sometimes it, it lulls us to sleep and it keeps us competitive in the global market. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day that there's not going to be a person in the White House that is going to be able to help the shattered economy that is on the horizon. Precious metals as silver and gold will plummet in value to nothing. And necessities that you have to live by as an expense will skyrocket. Ezekiel prophesied and said, silver and gold shall not be able to deliver them. So let me just stop here and say to someone in the house, you fill your coffers, foolish man or woman with stocks and bonds and all the time you're doing it, you ignore your spirit man and think to yourself, I am secure. I'll 
just build bigger barns. I'm telling you today, by the word of the Lord, your value and your assets will one day hit rock bottom. You better make sure you're taking care of the spirit man. I'm not saying it's wrong to invest. I'm not saying it's a sin to be involved in the stock market. But what I am saying is our number one priority is to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where no moth can get to and no dust can corrupt because this economy is not going to stay strong one day it will bottom out not only will there be worldwide wars and shattered economy but there will also be severe famine a severe famine like the world has never known coupled with a crippled economy is a horrific combination I want you to listen to this graphic description of an Old Testament of famine. And you, you may not hear this described in a lot of, of pulpits because, you know, sometimes I think, I think preachers like to stay away from the graphics descriptions that are found in the Word of God. But the Word of God is the Word of God. And Paul told Timothy to preach the whole Word of God, to be instant in season and out of season. But as I was thinking this week, the Lord took me back to a famine in 2 Kings chapter 6. A famine that was so great in the land that that uh, the people started eating things that were that were unnatural to to eat and partake of, and using our dollar values and and some of the uh, uh, research that I'd done, I found out in Second Kings chapter six, people were eating donkey heads and were selling them for fifty dollars or were buying them for fifty dollars each. It gets worse because the scripture says that not only were they eating donkeys' heads. But they were also eating dove's dung, which is waste that comes from a, a bird. And it was e actually being sold for, for $3 a measure during that uh, famine in 2 Kings chapter 6. Cannibalism became a norm. As a matter of fact, there was two women that, just, that, that, that had agreed that they were going to boil their children and partake of their children to stay alive. And they actually did one. And when it came time to boil the second one, the, the other mother hid, hid her child, didn't follow through on the arrangement. You're saying, boy, that's graphic this morning. I'm telling you, that's what famine will do. It will drive you insane. It will cause you to do things that are unnatural. And I looked at Revelation chapter 6 and, and verse 6 this week, and I, I kind of broke it down into our kind of language. And as I did, I, I found out that necessities that we take it for granted every day uh, during the tribulation, they will be 20 times the cost that they are today. For a loaf of bread that you paid $235 for this week during the tribulation will be $47. Uh, that gasoline that you that you paid $2.25 per gallon and, and during the tribulation will be $45 a gallon. In other words, you fill up your 10-gallon compact car, it'll cost you $450. Fifty bucks. This is according to scripture. You, you'll pay $32 for a half gallon of milk and you'll pay over $12 for a jar of, of baby food. And, and if, if God forbid anyone in this room is left behind, I, I hope you remember this. This is also with you taking the mark of the beast already having damned your soul to hell. You see at the halfway mark of the, of the tribulation, three and a half years in number, there, there's going in equivalent uh, the comparison to the number 666 you will have to have that to 
to buy and to sell. Now, most, if not all of you know already, unless you've had your head stuck in the sand, we are moving away from a cash society. We are going to a cashless society, but it doesn't stop there. It won't be cash or a credit or a debit card. It will be a mark on your forehead or on your hand that you will transact with. And listen to me loud and clear. It is already happening in other countries. And if you believe for one moment that it will not come to America, you need to wake up, friend. I'm telling you, we are urgently close to the coming of the Son of God. The tribulation could start tomorrow. Jesus Christ could come today. That's how close we are. If you don't believe me, listen to this report. Broberger goes to work, he doesn't need ID. And he doesn't need money. In fact, much of what he needs to get through the day is hidden right there, just below the surface in his hand. Like that shit? Yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like a grain of rice. Yeah, a grain of rice. Embedded in his hand is a microchip that serves as his keys, his ID, and his wallet. Yeah, it's all in chips. So I use it like to get around the building. Buy snacks. Yeah, exactly. Let's buy some snacks. Exactly. So I can't open it. No. Okay. So what I need to do is I need to first blip my chip and it will log me in. Mm -hmm. And from there I get access to the bridge. Popular TV shows like Black Mirror have imagined chips as part of a dystopian future. Install ingrained procedure with local anesthetic and you're good to go. In Sweden, the microchips are already here. The microchip implants use the same technology that's in contactless credit cards. Which have made cash pretty much obsolete in Sweden. No cash. At this tech fair, a chipping event for those on the cutting edge, merging their hands with this new technology. I thought it would be fun, right? The process is simple and swift. A pinch of the skin, and in a matter of seconds, the chip is inserted. The transformation is complete. As for the pain, I barely felt it. But even in this nation of early adopters, not everyone is racing to get chipped. I feel less human. I will feel like a robot. I think, I mean, it's so much more data can go into this, you know, when it's in your body. There's no central registry tracking how many people are chipped, but biohacker Hannes Wellblood estimates between five and 10,000. In the future, do you think everyone is going to be chipped? I think it will be voluntary, but I am certainly convinced that millions of people will find it very, very valuable to have a smart device under their skin. Human microchipping may be our future, but in Sweden, it's already reality. Sarah Harmon, NBC News, Stockholm. Is that sobering? There was a time 10 years ago when we heard things like this. That we just said, oh, if you were like me, you said, well, we, we probably got a few years. It's on us. It's here. Already five to 10,000 people in Sweden are participating in it. What is a technological convenience today could very well be the mandate of the Antichrist for buying and selling during the seven-year tribulation. Did you also hear that it's their identity? 
He said, well, I'm not taking no mark. Microchip now, and I wouldn't during the seven years of tribulation. Could you be strong and resist while your child that came from your body, from your loins, while they were begging for something to eat? There'll be devastating earthquakes. Since they started recording every century that has come and gone, shows a dramatic increase in earthquakes. In the 15th century, there was 115 global earthquakes. In the 16th century, it jumped to 253, 378. In the 18th century, it was 640. In the 19th century, there was 2,119. In the 20th century, they measured over 20,000 earthquakes from minor to major. In the book of Revelation, there are four major earthquakes that happened during the seven-year tribulation. Maybe you've been a part of an earthquake. Maybe you felt the tremor of the earth, but the earthquake that is coming, with all the earthquakes that have ever been recorded in the Bible and in history, never has there been an earthquake in history that has caused a heaven quake. There has never been an earthquake that caused the elements of the sky to be affected. But did you know during the seven-year tribulation there's an earthquake that's coming that's going to be so strong that it's going to shake the heavens and it's going to cause meteors and stars to fall to the earth. The Scripture says one-third of the earth population will be destroyed during this earth-slash-heaven quake. will scream and plead for the rocks to fall on them, but suicide will be of no avail. Hail weighing 120 pounds. One-third of all the earth's water will become blood. One-third of all the earth's water will become poisoned, leaving only one-third of the earth's water for drinking and consumption. Days will be shortened by five hours will sting men's bodies for five months without relief or death. This is the reality of the tribulation. This is the truth of what's coming to this world. There'll be a key figure. The Bible calls him the Antichrist. His message will be peace. His purpose will be to deceive the world. He will bring serenity and community in the beginning. The charisma will ooze out of him. He'll probably be a handsome, handsome fella. And people will be swept away. And did you know his methodology is to mimic Jesus Christ in every way? In Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, the Scripture says he'll symbolically ride in on a white horse with a bow without arrows, which means he will conquer the world through diplomacy and charisma. This devil-possessed man, he will have the answer to global warming and, and ceasing wars and economic strain and fragmented relations between countries and religious differences and political divides and climate crises. His main message will be peace but he will deceive through religion. If you listen to this preacher this morning, and I hope and pray to God that these words don't echo over and over in your mind because you missed the rapture of the church, but there is only one who can speak peace, and that
is the son of God. He owns peace. He created peace. He exemplifies peace and he gives peace. And that is why he is the true Christ, the prince of peace. That's why in Matthew 24, when the Antichrist comes and says, peace and safety, then there will be sudden destruction. Because he's a counterfeit. He will perform miracles. He will preach messages that inspire and influence people. He will even be killed and raised after three days. Millions will be deceived. You that may be present that have not repented, you that have played church and have lived half-heartedly, when you're living in seven years of horror, that worldwide leader called Antichrist will be a liar sent from the father of lies. Holy Ghost, seal this to their mind. Revelation 12, 9 says, Satan will deceive the whole world. Daniel 8, 25 says, by peace... He shall destroy many. He will swoon the world for three and a half years, including the Jewish people. And then what is titled the abomination of desolation, he will, he will offer a sacrifice to his devil God in their temple. And he will break covenant and he will, the embodiment of the evil one that's inside of him, he will bring forth vengeance against God's people. And against God's nation. And friend, I tell you today, if you miss the rapture, it will be because you are not rooted and grounded in the word and you had no relationship with Christ. And chances are high, very high. You will be deceived by the Antichrist. You will take the mark of the beast and you will go to hell for eternity. Hey, well, see, this is what we have here. We have the awesome benefit of the Holy Spirit. And he comes into our personal lives and he comes into the church and he deals with us and guides us and directs us and corrects us. But can I tell you? That when the church is raptured out, I can take you to Scripture and show you the Holy Ghost is going because the church is going. And when people flood the sanctuary, I hope in a few weeks that that church next door is flooded with new worshipers and flooded with new converts and flooded with people hungry for God because the Spirit has drawn them. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day that every room in this building, including that room over there, is going to be filled with people that are filled with fear because they missed the rapture of the church. And it won't be the Spirit that draws them. It'll be fear of what's going to happen next. brief description is what I've given you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, how can I escape this tribulation? No bomb shelter is going to help you. You can go by your 10 speed and get all the rations you want and escape to the hills, live in caves, 
But you will be found. You will be discovered. No hideaways will be secure enough. The church may be a place of worship, but it won't be a place of protection. How would I survive the seven-year tribulation? Let me tell you what the simple answer is. The only way to survive the seven-year tribulation is to avoid the seven-year tribulation. And the only way to avoid the seven-year tribulation is to accept Jesus into your heart and begin a new life with him today and be ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of God is coming back after his church. question asked in the book of Hebrews. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Young people, you can't play games. Mom and dad can be raptured and you can be left behind. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I've got an image to protect. I've got my reputation. There is nothing or no one worth losing your soul for. Would you bow your heads? Not a soul moving in this house, please. Noah, come into the ark. Lot, come out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Floods are coming. Fire and brimstone's about to be poured down. We're just waiting for one more declaration. And that's when Jesus says, come up here. One more come, come up here. For I'm about to pour out my wrath. But God has not appointed his children, his bride, his redeemed, not his professing Christians, but his possessing Christians. He has not appointed them unto the wrath that is shortly to come. We're not talking off in the distance. We're talking right here upon us. Sometimes I'm conflicted and I say, Lord, would you wait a little longer so my loved ones can come in? But the more and more I pray that prayer, the more I discover that more and more people are falling away from the Lord. So then I find myself changing my prayer to that like John the Revelator when he said, Even so, Lord, come quickly. Even so, Lord, come quickly. The enemy has deceived people into this in this room. You are playing with fire. You're trying to work your way out of a situation that you can't fix. In the meantime, you're in an unrighteous place, and you know you are. You know that you are in an unrighteous place. You're here today, and things are not right between your soul and your Savior. How about it, young people? When's the last time you said, Jesus, man, I offended you. I've offended you a lot lately. I I just, I'm sorry. I I just need to pray. I just need you to forgive me. When's the last time, young adult, that you you came and you said, Lord, I I want you to search my heart. I want, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. 
I want to be holy, for you are holy. I want you to take away anything and everything that's unlike you. There's so many things in this world that has taken priority over you, and yet today you've been placed first and forefront in my in my face, confronting me about my need to get things right between my soul and my Savior. Is there some people that just need prayer? Would you just raise your hand and say, preacher, thing, things are not things are not right. They're not right. They're just not right. I know my heart, and God knows my heart better than I do. Things are not right. I see some hands going up. Come on, raise your hand. Things are just not right. Maybe you've never asked the Lord to come into your heart. Maybe you asked Him to come into your heart, but you walked away from Him a long time ago. Maybe you're here because a family member invited you to come having no idea that you were going to be confronted by the Holy Spirit in this fashion. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Just raise your hand. I need prayer, preacher. Four or five hands have already gone up. I need prayer, preacher. I'm not right. Things are not right with me. Even so, Lord, come quickly. What's the answer? The answer hasn't changed. It's still Jesus. How do I get out of this tribulation? How do I go in this rapture? Be ready. Be ready. For in such an hour as you think not. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of God is coming. I come quickly. Do not hesitate. Turn to me. Forsake your ways. To compromise my word in your life, saith the Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Somebody needs to pray. Whether you raise your hand or not, you need to come and deal at this altar and have some time with you and Jesus. Come on, come on, don't wait another moment. Lot hesitated. Before he left that fire and brimstone that was about to be poured out, and the Bible says the angels of the Lord reached out and grabbed it by his hand, and it says the Lord being merciful to him. He hesitated, and, and the angels grabbed him by the hand and said, Come on, come on. The, the fire's getting ready to fall down. The brimstone's getting ready to pour out. I need prayer. I need to pray. I need to have some time with Jesus. I appreciate these honest hearts. But there are others that need to pray. Maybe you see someone up here that you'd like to come and pray with. As the Lord leads, I don't want to. I don't want to rush this. I just. I need to pray. I just need some time with me and Jesus. I need some time with me and Jesus. This is real stuff, folks. 
This is real, real stuff. God, you know the hearts in this room. You know them better than I do. You know them better than they know themselves. You know those that are they're hesitant right now. The devil's saying, no, you don't need to go up there. Everything's good. Everything's good. But they know, they know the truth. They know the truth. The truth is they need to put some things under the blood. The blood will cover those things. The blood will cleanse those things. But they, they've got to be willing to surrender them. They've got to be willing to come and kneel and surrender them. Congregation, stretch your hand this direction, would you? 